lifted down to dust. Yeah, um, missed and peeved. Missed and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be missed and peeved. Missed. Don't be miffed and peeved. It's a real word. It's a real word. It's a real word. I don't use it, but it's a real word. Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today, for the second time today, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning. It's 5.30 a.m. It's so early. <laughs> we were recording this at night, so we had some in- injury troubles. Oh, my goodness. A little Freudian slip there for oh, geez. just a minute. Um we had some some problems with the recording, and I didn't know it until after we were done. And so we recorded basically half a podcast that sounds pretty good, and I'm going to keep that. We're going to re-record some some other stuff, but some news happened during our day today. And Russell Westbrook had an operation on his right knee, which is also the knee that uh, Patrick Beverly uh, decided to destroy. And he hadn't had surgery on that knee in four and a half years, hadn't really been touched, and he had had some swelling over the past couple of weeks, and they decided to take care of it. Uh, arthroscopic knee surgery, they basically went in and cleaned it out, and so far, everything looks okay, and they are going to look at it again in four weeks, which would put it, I think that's like the last just right after the last preseason game. So he most definitely won't be playing in the preseason, which is okay with me for the most part. Um, But what are your thoughts, Alex? Well, you know, everyone had been telling us, you know, this is going to be the training camp where Russ was going to learn to play off ball. And now he's not going to have that opportunity, Andrew. Hey, he will be playing off ball the whole time. That's true. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's impossible to have like an objective opinion on this. You you have to be emotional because if you're not emotional, you just can't really say anything because we have no idea. Like we can just be hopeful that, yeah, maybe this is just a maintenance thing and he'll be fine going forward. Um, but as you and I have reminisced over the past couple weeks, uh, the Thunder have had their share of injury sagas. And um, so anytime you hear about something like this, it makes you a little nervous. You don't know if it's going to come back in a few months. If it's going to be an ongoing issue, you have no idea. All I know is that I prefer it had not have happened. <laughs> <laughs> if this could, if we could just have this not happen, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, in the long run, it's it's really not a huge deal. Um, obviously, anytime you operate on somebody's knee, it's it is a big deal. But you know, it's something that can be taken care of, and he can be okay in four weeks. I talked to my friend, um, that's an orthopedic surgeon, and he said that four weeks would be a timetable he would put on something like that. He said it's very typical for anybody. He's selling you Kool Aid. He's <laughs> Telling you, Kool Aid, Andrew. <laughs> um, 
So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not super concerned about it for the season. Uh, it also makes the acquisition of Dennis Schroeder even more important in case he does. And still having Ray Felton on the team also important. Uh, maybe even if Russell can play game one, maybe they limit his minutes to 30 minutes a game or even maybe less than that. And you let Schroeder play more. Uh, so, it's it's definitely a wait and see type of deal. It's not ideal to have two of your starters going into the season, uh, coming off surgery, and yeah, as a question mark heading into the season with Russ and Robertson, two of the longest tenured Thunder players and two super important players to this team and to their identity. Uh, it's a little scary, and so. You did not want this team to get off to a slow start. That was one thing that, you know, I've been saying for a while, and John Hamm has said it, like, there's no excuses for this team now. They can't get off to a slow start. They need to come out of the gate and be able to play fast and have their chaotic defense and have that identity moving forward. Well, if you don't have Russell, you kind of don't have an identity anymore. So uh, you're saying that, that uh, Billy just picked up a new excuse he can use. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very it's it's frustrating because you know if they if they start i don't know 10 and 7 or something and it's not looking good like their schedule is way soft there is it's a soft schedule to start the season they shouldn't start that but if they do then it's like oh you know we didn't have the training camp with russell and it's like oh gosh not again um now what if what if for some reason he couldn't start opening night, and also they decide to wait with Andre a little bit. Who would you start with the rest of the starting lineup? <laughs> so you have Schroeder, Paul yep. George, Adams for sure. Yeah, those are your three definites. So who do you got at shooting guard and power forward? Uh, Patterson starts at power forward. Mm-hmm. And the shooting guard is a wild card, man. I would start Alex Abrinas. I mean, that's what I would do. Can a uh, well, you could, yeah, you could also, is TLC, he's, he probably can't play the two, can he? Yeah, can he? Yeah, I mean, I have, oh, uh, I, I have no idea. I'm not smart. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to know that. <laughs> well, Paul George can. So yeah, I have those I would, two bigger wings. I would guess that yes, TLC could play the two for the, for this team. Yes. Well then let's do that. Well, let's hope that we don't have to do that, but <laughs> yeah. It's possible. That's a possibility. And it's a lot better than starting to Sebastian Telfair. We all know that. It would be such a bummer if Russ can't play that first game against the Warriors. It would be. And you know what? Because it is against the Warriors, I would go to Vegas and bet my house that he's playing that night. Oh, that seems so dangerous. <laughs> Just sounds like a bad recipe, Andrew. <laughs> I think he's going to play. I think he'll be ready by game one. I'd be shocked if he wasn't actually. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Unless there's unless there's some kind of setback that we don't know about yet, which is possible. There could be another loose stitch. I don't know. Mm. Although the, they weren't stitching anything this time, but I would I would actually be pretty surprised if he's not ready for game one. He's not going to touch the floor in preseason, and with swelling in his knee and having a cleanup don't touch the floor preseason anyways. Like all I care about in preseason is that I get to see Deontay Burden in a Thunder uniform. That's the only thing I care about. I don't care about anything else. 
<laughs> okay. Well, that's that's one way to approach it. You don't care what they do in preseason. I don't. What do, what do you what do we care about preseason? What is the preseason even for? So you, you can uh, Andrew, it's so that they cut they players? can have like no, they'll, they're going to have like three plays where there's a ton of ball movement and we're just going to freak out about it. Right. We're going to tweet about it. <laughs> it's a new era of Thunder basketball. Yeah, we're going to over dissect preseason. I mean, every year it's I don't even know what the point is anymore. Of preseason basketball. What's the point? Play play two games of preseason basketball, and then I, you're satisfied, right? And one of them has to be at a middle school. A <laughs> right. middle school. Yeah, that those are the ones I like. Yeah, and make that one count, please. What what good does it do any NBA team to play half speed against another NBA team? I you get to show off to the people in Tulsa, the good people in Tulsa. You know. Yeah, that's great. Give them a regular season game. Yeah, that'd be nice too. Give them a real game. Why can't they play one regular season game at the BOK? Why don't they play the Magic there? Why don't they play all their games there? <laughs> Why don't we just send this team Who to cares? <laughs> You know what I mean, though. Yeah, I know. And I I could just care less if Paul George even plays in the preseason. Like just, just play Nerlens Noel, Deontay Burton, and Hamadou Diallo. Just play three on five. That's all I want to see. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're going to... We have a long podcast ahead of us now, and we're going to talk about the 2014 draft through the terrible July 4th, 2016, and that era of the Thunder. Uh, it's very eventful, so you're going to hear us talking about uh, a lot of funny things, a lot of really sad things, a lot of frustrating things. Uh, this is definitely a rip the bandaid off type of podcast when it comes to uh, talking about each Thunder era, um, but very eventful, uh, definitely a huge piece of Thunder history. So uh, enjoy the show and um, we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. Alex, what's up? What's up? So this podcast preparing for it was way more difficult than I anticipated. So we're, we're covering the draft, the 2014 draft through the, basically the 2016 draft and a lot happened. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, A lot of really pretty terrible things. I mean, it was (laughs) the thunder were in some ways at their peak but knowing what's coming next makes it really hard to watch because if this team was able to like push forward and you know the next era was talking about like Kevin Durant and Russ and their primes together this would probably be a pretty fun show to do but knowing what's coming uh it kind of sucks <laughs> yeah this is that's what that's why we're calling this the peaks and valleys division oh man because on, on the one hand, you have their first missed playoffs since their first year. Yeah. And then you have the peak of, I don't know, maybe, I guess, game five, perhaps, you could say. Yeah. Or, I mean, game four. Game yes, four. Yes, game four. And then another valley coming up on a national holiday. <laughs> right. Uh, I, th- I guess we just... Okay, this is a good one to start with. This is This is one that won't make the list, but it was really funny. 2014 media day. Uh, that's where <laughs> the, the, the stash bros began. Steven Adams showed up to the, to media day with a mustache and everybody was like, well, what's up with that? Cause before 
he was just this clean cut guy. Just had a nice haircut, no facial hair at all, and he shows up with a mustache, and everybody's like, "What's going on with that?" Uh, so that's where the stash bros began. Uh, also, on media day, Serge Ibaka had no clue who Mitch McGarry was, and it was really funny. <laughs> Barry Trammell said, "Have you had a chance to uh, work out with Mitch McGarry at all?" And he goes, "Who?" <laughs> and Barry goes, Mitch McGarry, Mitch McGarry, Mitch McGarry, Mitch McGarry, Mitch McGarry. And then he starts to get mad at Barry Trammell, like during the interview, because he's like, well, he's like, I just got back two days ago. And Barry's <laughs> like, I don't know. I just wondered if you know if you met the guy. <laughs> now, was that the first year that you went? I'm trying to remember. I think it. Yes, I believe it was. So that means it was also uh, the birth of Deborah Buckets. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell, I don't even know if I know the origin story. Uh, the origin story of Deborah Buckets was that you and Luke actually went to Media Day. Yes. Hilarious to think that Luke was going to Media Day. Oh, my gosh. He was like my assistant. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Luke was, had been texting me the night before, like, hey, do you have any questions I could ask these guys? And I said, why don't you pretend that people have been calling the players nicknames online and, and, and then ask them, hey, what do you think about that? <laughs> and so one of the nicknames was for KD was Deborah Buckets. So he would raise his hand and say, uh, hey, Kevin, um, I see people online calling you Deborah Buckets. What's up with that? Have you heard about that? <laughs> And then it was, but then it was going to be a pattern. So then uh, he was going to call another player like Sally jumpers and they're all going to have the exact same type of name. It was a very dumb idea and it didn't happen. No, Luke kept his mouth shut that day. Of course. (laughs) He was probably so scared. I would have been too. I would be terrified to ask like my first question. It's, it's a, it's, it is intimidating and you're sitting there and you just repeat the question in your head over and over and over again. And then when you get the mic, you forget what the question was is basically yeah. how it happens. That's what happened to a super nervous guy this past media day. Did you, you remember that guy? Uh, what did he do? He got the microphone to ask Russell Westbrook a question. Oh, and, then, and he gave up and he started and then he fumbled and then he just said, and then he just handed the mic over. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was just cracking up. It was great. I respect that. You got to cut your losses. He and he totally did. Uh, well, you yeah. said that 2014 media day probably doesn't make it, but maybe we do the stash bros as like their own thing. Yeah. Um, Cause one of the moments that I had, but isn't really, I don't know if it's strong enough on its own, but it's the stash bros against the Spurs. I feel like that was the peak yeah. of the stash bros yeah. when they played together a lot against the Spurs, their offensive rebound percentage during that series. This is in 2016 was 28%, Shoot. which matched their league leading offensive rebound percentage from the regular season. But even better than that, they held San Antonio to 18%, which would have ranked 30th in the regular season. Wow. Um, so they were getting, there was a game, I think it was game two. Steven Adams had 17 rebounds. They were just incredible. Ennis Cantor, he didn't have any like eye popping stats during that series, but he had so many like tip ins and follow ups on misses yep. at, at key moments. Um, and then of course you have the stash bros in the future pushing for, uh, Russell Westbrook's MVP. They, they were, they had the t-shirts that they wore together. I feel like the stash bros deserve some recognition. Yes. For sure. Yeah. 
Uh, first sad one of the day. Let's uh, get it. Pau Gasol chooses not to come to the Thunder in the summer of 2014, despite God. Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook recruiting him. I totally forgot that one, but they can have him. <laughs> remember that? Remember how? Whatever. You remember how much you wanted Pau Gasol to be on the Thunder. Yeah, but whatever. He was such a, <laughs> he was so lame about it. He said that it was all about just having culture. Yeah, that was, it was. It was wanting to go lame. see orchestras. And he played for that terrible Bulls team. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to thank the press for sponsoring today's show. You've got to go check out the press. It's near downtown Oklahoma City. They have two bars down there. The eating area is huge. So if you're looking for a place to take a big group, you got to go to the press uh, with their for a family birthday party. And it was very enjoyable. Not only is the restaurant just a cool place, but obviously the food is just spectacular. You've got to go get their mac and cheese. Their salads are really fresh. They have a really good chicken fried steak. Their burgers good. Even their veggie burger, which I've talked about is so good. Get it with a side of mac and cheese. You'll have no regrets. Please support the people that support down to dunk and eat at the press. Another two that, that might not make it. The first one would be the draft of campaign. So this started, or this was it back in 2015. We were obviously very excited because, you know, we had this bad season, missed the playoffs by a game, but we're going to get this lottery pick. Maybe we can add a young talent to this team coming back, hopefully healthy. And they took campaign, which I think at the time we were fine with. Yeah, it was um, okay. And we knew yeah. it was, we knew it was coming. Because it had leaked days before that the Thunder right. were very interested in campaign. So we're like, I, I mean, the Thunder do a pretty good job of drafting. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it wasn't that memorable, but it was cool to have a lottery pick. And, you know, it's crazy to think back that someone like Devin Booker only went one pick ahead of us <laughs> yeah. at number 13. And I, I think back then I wanted Kelly Oubre because there was some connection between him and KD. And I thought that was important in my head. Right. Um, that was and then the difference kinda, maker. That was the key. <laughs> he was the key. He has beautiful eyes. <laughs> um, and then kind of piggybacking off of that only memorable, probably because I was there was cam's best game mm-hmm. as a Thunderman. That was December 29th, 2015 home against the bucks. He comes in and scores 16 points in 15 minutes. I got, I mean, that was all I needed to see. And I was <laughs> on the cam train and I was so excited. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go get a similar one out of the way that will probably not make it either. Uh, Mitch McGarry was drafted in 2014. Mm-hmm. And then I also have some memorable games from Mitch McGarry. February 8th, 2015 was his first <clears throat> real minutes that he got. He had had some garbage time before and hadn't really done much. But in his first game, he played against the Clippers. He played 23 minutes and he had 19 points and 10 rebounds in a win against the Clippers. Well, I have no memory of that. He was a monster. And then February 27th, 2015, uh, this will go into another memory that might make it. Uh, Mitch McGarry scored 20 points. He had nine rebounds, two assists on 10 of 13 from the field. And he had the craziest ball fake that befuddled Chris Kamen and sent him (laughs) flying. I love to see a good befuddlement on the court. <laughs> uh, Mr. Gary was good his rookie season. He was really good, actually, and was a crazy rebounder. 
He could score the basketball in a couple different ways. He was actually good. And at this point, because I think we get to campaign and I said we kind of trust Sam Presti in the draft. At that point, part of trusting Sam Presti was that Mitch McGarry was pretty good his rookie season. And we kind of had some expectations for him. So much so that I remember Zach Harper saying on his podcast, whenever it came time for uh, Ennis Cantor's uh, next contract, he said they don't need to re-sign Ennis Cantor. They have Mitch McGarry. Mm. I'm glad you're bringing this up because, you know, Mitch's era with the Thunder has gotten uh, a little cloudy. He Um, He played two seasons in the NBA, which is really pretty crazy to think about for for a guy that had that kind of talent. And it what it was all off the court stuff. He was yeah. just a big, big dummy. It, uh, it's it's nice to remember the good times because honestly I don't really remember those. So it's 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 good hearing you say this. <laughs> uh so that same game, February twenty seventh, twenty fifteen, Russell Westbrook at the end of the game, the Thunder are basically just fumbling this game away in Portland. The Thunder haven't won in Portland in forever. And this is a part of that story. So Russell Westbrook is going for a rebound, for an offensive rebound. He like falls over. Andre Robertson doesn't see him on the ground and knees him in the face and dents Russell Westbrook's face. And this is um, among the uh, the crazy injury season, the uh, the plagues of Egypt season. That he gets up and on TV, I think this is a national TV game. You see Russell Westbrook walking with this giant dent in his face, and you're just like, oh no! Yeah, that is definitely one I had written down. Like Russell's going to be out for forever, right? Uh, he has surgery the next day to repair his face. And then, so this is probably all one memory. But no, these are two separate. I count this. I know what you're about to say, and I count that as a separate one. Okay, we can count this as separate. But masked Russell Westbrook emerges. I think he had like 49 points in his first game. So the difference between masked Russell and regular Russell was astounding. So without the mask, 26 points per game. With the mask, 33.9. Uh, rebounds with the mask 9.6 without the mask 6.8 assist with the mask 10.1 assists without the mask eight uh, he sh- ended up shooting 36 percent from three with the mask 27 percent without uh, his true shooting percentage was 55.9 with the mask without the mask 53.5 russell westbrook was a maniac with that mask on after Andre Robertson dented his face. Okay. You actually didn't say the memory I was going to say. So I'm going to include that as one, the dent and the mask. Okay. Um, but a specific play from that time period. So this was only a few days later in a 123, 118 overtime win against Philadelphia. I think one of Westbrook's most memorable dunks was the coast to coast in a mask when he dunked it. Yes. And went absolutely the entire 94 feet got the inbound from Nick Collison and just kept running. And I think he was surprised and he didn't even react that much. He was actually just readjusting his mask (laughs) after the dunk, (laughs) but that was always a memorable dunk for me. Yeah. Yeah. That, that it was a weird era of thunder basketball, but Russ with the mask was really fun. Um, okay. So here's another one from that same season. 
probably won't make it because it actually became more memorable in retrospect. It was the 116-113 loss at home to New Orleans on February 6th, 2015. Yeah. This is the game when Anthony Davis hit the three-pointer <sighs> so to win it. This was the injury-plague season, but Kevin Durant and Russell both played in this game. Yes, and this is the game that ultimately kept OKC out of the playoffs. And yeah. it's really interesting to go back and think how much would have been different if just that game changes. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, I was just looking at the draft, trying to figure out who they would have drafted now at pick 18, yeah. assuming that campaign gets taken. Um, but that, that one game, that one shot swung it all. And um, very memorable. I mean, it was a great game at the time it became much more memorable at the end of the season when we realized what was happening. Right. Yeah. So by the time the first game of the season rolled around for the thunder in October of 2014, Kevin Durant was out with a Jones fracture. Reggie Jackson was out with an ankle sprain. Jeremy lamb, lower back sprain. Uh, Anthony Morrow had an MCL sprain. Mitch McGarry had fractured his foot. Oh, I forgot that he had that injury. That was probably, Mm. probably not good for him. And Grant Jarrett, if anybody remembers him, the uh, poor man's Brian Cook uh, had surgery on his left ankle. And then <laughs> November 1st, 2014, yes. Russell Westbrook fractures his right hand uh, against the Clippers in one of the first games of the season. Uh, the 4th of <laughs> November, Andre Robertson sprains his foot. Uh, in the meantime, Reggie Jackson, Jeremy Lamb return. Uh Perry Jones gets that right knee contusion. I guess I, I remember it being, this says knee, but I thought it was a thigh contusion. Uh, but he had played really well up until that point. Uh, and then finally, like at the beginning of December, the Thunder get, so they get Kevin Durant, Mitch Gary, and Russell comes back um, toward the beginning of December. But that first month, they had, so many guys injured that on November 7th, 2014, they had to sign Ish Smith to be their point guard. At that point, do you remember who was taking most of the point guard minutes? I do. That was Bassey. Bassey, Sebastian Telfair was on this. It's so weird that he was on that team on, on the Thunder, uh, but he played a ton of minutes. And I think one of the most memorable games was November 1st, 2014. Yes, I have that. Right after um, Russell went down. Um, so that they won against the Nuggets at home. 102 to 91. The start Here is your starting lineup. And the starting lineup is, is pretty funny, but the bench is even more hilarious. Uh, they only played eight guys that night. And the crowd was just going insane because this team was just working their tails off. Sebastian Telfair, Andre Robertson, Perry Jones, Ibaka, and Adams started this game. And then the bench was three guys, Lance Thomas, Kendrick Perkins, and Nick Collison. And that was it. They had one guard basically <laughs> on that team. And it was Sebastian Telfair. It was, and they won a game, uh, crazy stat lines of that night. Perry Jones had 20 points. Serge had 23 and Kendrick Perkins had 17 points in 19 minutes off the bench. That was pretty wild. <laughs> it was wild. The crowd was going crazy. They worked their tails off. They won the game. It was awesome. Then they went and like lost three in a row after that. But um, it, 
that the, to begin that season, the Thunder had started at a pretty pretty big hole, and that's why they ended up not making the playoffs. That that game you mentioned, but also just the fact that they had so many health problems. It was crazy. Yeah. So just a few more stats from that time. They, so they were three and 12 in their first 15 games that year. After that, they were 42 and 25, which would have been good for a 51 win pace. Yeah. Obviously they, that didn't happen. They could, they could have potentially been the seventh seed if they just kept up that pace, you know, throughout the whole season. But because of that three and 12 start, they end up missing it by one game. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's do uh, this one's embarrassing to me. So January 5th, 2015, Ooh, yeah. the, D- the Dion waiters trade. Yes. So this trade, OKC traded away Lance Thomas and a first round draft pick. Mm-hmm. And as part of a three team trade, they got back Dion waiters and one Al baby cakes tweeted at that time. Waiters in all caps. So pumped. I tried to, <laughs> I tried to figure out a realistic trade for him to OKC for at least an hour last week. <laughs> oh, man. I miss Dion so much. Um, but Dion totally fit what Presti, the type of guys Presti usually targets. Yeah. He was a former high lottery pick who had kind of fallen out of favor with his current team. And Presti was going to trade for him and regenerate him, which I think he did eventually in that that yeah. playoffs yeah he was crucial i mean the thunder basically played eight guys in the 2016 run and dion was one of them and he was good and uh he helped him get paid and now he's uh now he's been injured in miami but he, dion could have a comeback year this year he could he could i'm, I'm drinking out it. of my dion waiters coffee mug right now so um but that was certainly memorable because you know that was that was a big year for trades just in general yeah and we might as well talk about the other one. So February 19th, 2015, the Reggie Jackson slash Ennis Cantor trade. Um, so OKC trades out Grant Jarrett, Kendrick Perkins, Tibor Place, a first round draft pick and Reggie Jackson. They get back DJ Augustine, Kyle Singler, Ennis Cantor, <laughs> a second round pick and Steve Novak. This was when uh, Reggie Jackson immediately tweeted crying tears of joy. Hashtag God is great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a great time. T- tying into that, Reggie Jackson's first game to start with the Pistons, he threw up. Yes, I was going to mention that uh, okay. at Winskill nineteen sixty nine on Twitter. <laughs> wanted to make sure that we remember that Reggie Jackson vomited in his first game with yes. the Pistons. Yes. Yeah, I mean those those trades weren't great. <laughs> <laughs> but they were but fun. They were fun. The uh, the Dion one w- was good, but if they had gotten back what the Cavs did instead and just said to the Knicks, "Hey, we'll give you the first round pick and Lance Thomas. We don't have to do all this business." And they get back J.R. Smith and Emon Shumpert. That that ended up propelling the Cavs to a title, <laughs> which is kind yeah. of crazy. Yeah, that's true. Um, which of the which of those two trades is more memorable to you? Probably the so uh, the trade deadline one for sure. The Ennis Cantor one is more memorable just because that for like several days we had expected Brooke Lopez to become a member. Yes, of the that's right. Yeah. And we just it was just it seemed just like a matter of time before it happened, and then all of a sudden 
the deadline like basically passes or it comes close to passing and we're like okay well where's brooke lopez and why is reggie jackson still on this team and then it comes across that the thunder get in his canter then i just remember like feverishly looking up stats that time I, I was working for vantage sports and i was just scouring the vantage database for Ennis Cantor stats and just i was just a little confused I was like, why do they trade for Ennis Cantor? like what is, what is this and i think the thing i was most excited about for that trade was dj augustine and kyle singler to be honest oh boy <laughs> at the time kyle singler was like a he was a wing that could shoot right right that's what he was and that's what we thought we were getting and then dj augustine was a good backup point guard and like a, a nice reggie replacement a guy that had a steady hand that could shoot the ball a little bit uh had some kevin durant ties i don't know i i, I was excited for those guys like two guys that had played in the league i didn't really know what we would get out of in his canter or what that looked like but i think for me that trade was a little bit more memorable and one other memory from that time was the Royce Young story that came out afterwards that had the little anecdote about earlier in the season, because this is, of course, the injury-plagued season, Yeah, when Reggie was sitting out and he was in the gym with a bunch of reporters and they were checking in, you know, seeing yeah. how his injury was going. And he was not playing that night, but was able to do a very nice dunk in front of everyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> So just uh, just a good little anecdote about Reggie's time in OKC. Yeah. Yeah, that was a weird year. Oh, and this is also a great memory about Reggie Jackson. So the Thunder traded for Dion Waiters, and they purposely didn't put Dion in the open locker in the locker room because they wanted to the open locker was next to Reggie. And they wanted <laughs> yeah. to keep Dion away from Reggie Jackson. <laughs> in the locker room which is just one of the greatest things that i've ever heard <laughs> that's so weird it was a weird it was a weird season he was a he was a strange player for the thunder because he did he helped but man was he awful i just remember him in that um was it a, i think it was in brooklyn where uh they wouldn't pass Reggie the ball or there was, I can't remember exactly what what it was. I'm sure that somebody on Twitter right now is like, they're going to tell us exactly what the moment was, but I'm just kind of speaking off the top of my head that there was some kind of freeze out happening. Um, Yes. I remember that. It was just a a weird season. He's a weird player. Uh, I am super glad that, uh, uh, Dennis Schroeder is ranked higher than him in the in SI's top 100, which I think <laughs> was uh, just the, the pettiness between Oklahoma City and Reggie Jackson just continues. Uh, okay, I'm I'm ready for a happy memory. This okay. is one of my favorite Thunder in-game sequences of all time. I, I just love this game. This was at the beginning of the 2015 season or the 2015-16 season, October 30th at Orlando. End of regulation, Thunder down by three. Katie comes down the court, hits a three to tie it with oh, 13 man. seconds left. Yeah. Then Victor Oladipo comes down the court, hits a step back three with 3.9 seconds left to go up by three. And then Westbrook hits a shot just inside the half court line with 0.7 seconds left 
to tie the game again, send it to overtime, a back to back to back three. It was so much fun. And then even at the end, so this game went two overtimes at the end of the first overtime, Oladipo hit a three at the buzzer just to tie the game, to send it in double overtime. So it was just an insane game. And that was that buzzer beater that he hit at the end of the first overtime. That was over Robertson. Like it was an incredible shot. Katie and Russ combined to score 91 points that game. <laughs> um, just an incredible game against a team. You know, Orlando was turned out to not be very good at all that year. So it's just one of those random fun games during the year. Yeah. And <clears throat> one of those games that made you excited for when they traded for Vic was that like, that's kind of seared in your memory as right. a Thunder fan. So, um, yeah, that game was super crazy. Uh, okay. I'm trying to think if there's anything else from the 14, 15 season that I have before we just completely uh, wipe, that, wipe that away. Well, we can briefly mention the, the Kyle Singler contract. That was, that was at the end of that season. Um, that was July 1st, 2015. Are you there, Andrew? Sorry. I was oh, did holding, you mute yourself? I muted oh. myself. I was holding a baby that had pooped. And I was asking my <laughs> wife to come and get him. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. The Kyle Singer contract. Oh my god. Okay. 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 I'll say it. Um, okay. Another one. If we want. Okay. <laughs> another one. I'll quickly mention is the Kyle Singer contract, July 1st, 2015. Uh, this is from Royce Young's article about it. Afterwards, he said, "With the Thunder, he averaged 3.7 points on just 33 percent shooting, <laughs> with 2.1 rebounds per game." Obviously, you got to give this guy five years, 25 million. <laughs> but still, we were very excited at the time because we thought, hey, this guy could be a three and D. At least that's what we were saying. I don't know why we threw in the D part, but he could be a, a, a nice wing to have really cheap. Right. And we'll have him over these next five years. Of course, have, we get to have him for five years. Was <laughs> we like, get it. <laughs> we get to have that. <laughs> yeah, he. Yeah, I still question if he was ever any good at all in the NBA. I just, I've seen this. I see the basketball reference stats. I have no evidence that he was actually ever good in the NBA. You think it was just a mirage. They were just falsely putting stats on the NBA.com website. Well, I just think that guys on bad teams, you, someone has to score, you know, someone has to do it. And I just wonder if it was Kyle Singler on that Detroit team. It doesn't necessarily mean you're good. There's been a ton of bad players for the NBA that have scored a ton of points for bad teams. And it right. just, that doesn't mean that you're a good basketball player. Um, okay. A few more just from that season. So we can get on to 15, 16 one, the Josh Eustace draft pick. Yeah. That's one I was going to bring up 2014. The first domestic draft and stash. Zach Lowe wrote an entire article called the great Eustace experiment. Probably the highlight of his NBA career. Yeah. I mean that draft pick, like just the pick itself was actually like really exciting. I mean, we weren't excited. We were like, who is this guy? Why did we do this? But it, it got a lot of play. I mean, I was going, I was searching for it last night and there were so many articles written about Josh Eustace at that time because people were trying to figure out what was going on. It was so weird because it was the thunder took a guy that was going to go in the fifties in the first round. And it was like, why <laughs> right. and 
Not only that, we can just talk about the Josh Eustace era with the Thunder. They just never gave him a real fair shake, in my opinion. I don't think, and I, it was likely a coaching staff decision and not a Sam Presti decision. Uh, but I just felt like he never really got a fair shake. He didn't really get to play until this past season. I mean, he just didn't play. And I think that he is a guy that could play on a team. He could be your eighth or ninth guy. Uh, we'll see if he sticks with the Spurs. I'm not sure if there's a spot for him there. Um, and he may not stick in the league. Like the guy, there's a, there's a chance he's out of the league. Um, but the way that the Thunder treated him and didn't give him consistent playing time, I just thought he never got a fair shake. Also, don't take a guy in the first round that's a second round talent. Like that was it. It's just not a good decision. Yeah, go, I was go trying get, to decide talent. I was trying to decide if that was Presti's worst draft pick. Um, it's hard to say that it was just because the guys who were taken around Josh Eustace aren't that exciting. Um, obviously, yeah. uh, Jokic went in the second round, so that would have been great. But you know, we're talking about guys like Clay Anthony Early. Well, Kyle Anderson so, went right after him, right? Right. Yeah, Kyle Anderson went. Kyle Anderson's an NBA player. But he's not a Thunder player. Presti would never take Kyle Anderson. But if he did, it would have been better. It would have, yeah, for sure. So, do you think that's his worst draft pick? Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, it's hard to say. It's campaign hard to say. was pretty bad in Cam retrospect. Bad. Yes, trading for Cole Aldrich was not good. Well, yeah, that was bad. There were some stinkers in there. It's the end of the first round, so I th- I would say that it's either Cam or the Cole Aldrich trade when it comes yeah. to getting a guy high in the draft. Because at the end of the first round, you know, those guys don't work out anyways for the most part. And right. so it's okay to, I guess it's okay to swing and miss there. But if you're swinging and missing at 10 or at 14, and those guys, it's it's still a kind of a long shot to get a guy that's going to stick. But still, for Sam Presti to swing and miss there, uh, was not great. And he cut his losses pretty early with both of those guys, which is nice that he admitted his mistake. But just that, that draft in general, taking Mitch McGarry, who might have lasted till the 29th pick and took him at 21, and then you take Josh Hustis at 29, it's a bad look. That's probably, overall, that's probably his worst draft. Um, I want to see who who else was available at 21 oh rodney hood right but that looks less egregious as time goes on because <laughs> yeah rodney hood just on the qualifying offer uh but still rodney hood would have helped this team a whole lot more than mitch mcgarry and he's obviously psyched a much better pro basketball player than mitch mcgarry because he's still in the nba uh and he's likely going to be in the nba for a long time uh so that that draft was pretty bad for him overall uh most people thought that Cole Aldrich was going to be good I think it was pretty consensus that campaign was a lottery pick uh, but generally everyone was pretty shocked by the 2000 uh was it 15 or, or 2014 draft from the Thunder and that they took Mitch McGarry and Josh Hustis because everyone was like oh well those guys really aren't in that range for the draft. Sam Presti reached and kind of bet on himself and 
that did not work out that I think that's easily his worst, like overall draft. Um, if Houston is his worst draft pick, I'm trying to remember KJ McDaniels. Remember everybody was so jacked about KJ McDaniels when he came the out. next Scotty Pippen. Yeah. That's what Bill Simmons called him the next Scotty Pippen. Uh, Jeremy Grant went 39th in that draft. Oh yeah. I didn't notice that. Um, um, yeah, it was bad, but the thunder could have had <clears throat> Rodney hood. Clint Capella went 25th in that draft. Uh, Shabazz Napier was 24th. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, the, the Bogdanovich that plays for the Kings went 27th. That seems like a Presty pick right there. Like, yeah. Um, and maybe they didn't select him because they already had Alex Abrinas and you could only have one draft and stash shooting guard. But anyways, it was bad. It was, it was terrible, but at least they didn't take Bruno. Oh, that's true. <laughs> okay. Two, how jacked would we have been for Bruno though? <laughs> so jacked. So jacked. <laughs> All right. Let's, um, I'll start by talking about Scott Brooks and then we can okay. go into it. And so another big event in thunder history was the firing of Scott Brooks. And it was weird timing for a lot of reasons. One, it came after the injury plague season in which they didn't make the playoffs. Was that Scott Brooks fault? I would say, nope, not his fault. Um, but it seemed at least to the front office that that relationship had run its course. And it was also weird timing because it's right before Kevin Durant's free agency. And to that point, Scott Brooks had done a good job. He'd had teams that had ranked in the top five in both offensive and defensive efficiency. He'd taken a team to the Western conference finals, taking a team to the NBA finals. Uh, all those players love Scotty Brooks and it was a risk. It was a big risk. And he, just a few days later, hired Billy Donovan. But what do you remember from that time? I, I think half of us thought we're anticipating it, and the other half just figured this is one of those areas where the Thunder have just been really conservative, yeah, in terms of making moves on this on it on this coach because we had been talking about the potential of like maybe we need to upgrade from Scott Brooks for a couple of seasons at that point, and so by that time part of me was just like, well, I guess they're just going to run it back. Like it doesn't like their whole organization is built on like this consistency and like everything's the same around these players. And so to blow all that up in this like really crucial year in 2016, it was, I mean, it was a huge move. It was one of Presti's biggest decisions. And obviously he already knew who he wanted because he hired Billy Donovan like a week later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a whirlwind and then all of a sudden it felt like we were right back in like a normal groove. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there were some slight differences during the regular season between the two, the, the, the defensive structures changed a little bit with Billy. Uh, there was a little bit more ball movement with Billy Donovan during the regular season. Um, but for the most part, pretty similar teams because it was still a team being run by Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. And so there's not a ton of changes to be made. Uh, Alex, what are what are some of the big memories that you have of that 2016 team during the regular season? Uh, so one that you and I uh, talked about 
we both brought it up was the Steph game winner. Uh, what was the date on that? Was that February 27th? February 27th. Yep. Oh, 2016. Uh, this was a game that just happened to occur. And I kind of made this a separate moment, but the post all-star swoon. Yeah. So this was right after the all-star break. The thunder are go four and eight in their next 12 games following the all-star break. And one of those losses was this overtime loss at home to golden state on a buzzer beater from Steph. That wasn't just a normal buzzer beater. Of course it was one of Steph's classic shots, but then that shot got taken and put into every NBA commercial (laughs) for the rest of the season. So thunder fans were just tortured by this game. And it was that part of the season where you're like, if this team is going to do something like they have to start beating some of these good teams, they have to show us something, right? They were like the anti mellow team. Yeah, it turns out they were really good, but they just couldn't beat these good teams during the regular season. Yeah, they couldn't beat Golden State. They had already lost to them previously by quite a bit in Golden State, uh, and it was pretty brutal. Uh, they couldn't beat the Spurs that season. They they just seemed like a decent team that had these superstars on it, and you know it was Kevin's last year, and it, it had a similar feel to this past year with Paul George. Where it's like, oh, this everything matters so much, but it was a little bit less because I think a lot of people expected Paul George to leave the Thunder, and yeah. the, the Thunder had to kind of talk him into it. It was a little bit the opposite that we just kind of expected Kevin to stay no matter what because he was our guy, like he was supposed to be our Tim Duncan. And but still, there was some pressure behind it because there were already murmurs about Golden State being a possibility, and the, those got louder and louder. Um, but yeah, that game was insane. And the Thunder were in it the whole time, basically. And even through overtime, Kevin Durant fouls out early in overtime. And you already know the answer to this because I asked you this morning. But tell me who got I'll pretend I don't know. I'll pretend, pretend I don't know. Pretend you don't know. <laughs> we've already talked. We've talked about all of this stuff before. So for, <laughs> forgive us. Uh, do you know who came in for Kevin Durant and guarded Steph Curry for most of the overtime period? Oh, geez. Could it have been, uh, uh, Andre Robertson? <laughs> no, Andre was playing the whole time. It was Kyle Singler. Oh, wow. Isn't that, isn't that kind of wild to think about that in the most important game of the regular season yeah. to this team at home, you have the chance to win the game. Here comes Kyle Singler. I mean, that was that was Kyle Singler's prime season, right? Like when he was getting a lot of playing time. I mean, it was the season after he was traded to the Thunder. Yeah, right. So the one where he they were actually trying to use him (laughs) where they thought they still thought he might be an NBA player. Right, right, right. He was atrocious by the playoffs. He was pretty much done. Uh, Yeah. When I rewatched that shot, I saw Kyle Singler on the floor after the shot. And I was like, oh, I wonder how he got out there. I wonder what he was doing (laughs) running around out there. But I didn't realize he was actually the defender. Yeah, that game game was an amazing regular season game, but so brutal because Steph is doing all his shimmying and dancing and you just, you just felt like, man, like we can't, we just can't beat these guys. And we get to the playoffs and it turns out we kind of can beat these guys. Uh, but then also we kind of can't beat these guys, <laughs> but it was, it was, a uh, it was just a, it was a weird regular season overall. They traded for Randy Foy. 
they they did like your classic thunder thing and that's why i look at this thunder roster currently and i'm just like is history going to repeat itself again where the thunder have these young pieces that theoretically can play and then they're going to somehow acquire just the right veteran that is just past their prime and probably should have retired last season. And they're going to put them on the roster. Like who's going to be our next Cron Butler, Derek Fisher, uh, Corey Brewer. Like who's going to be the next guy? Because I don't know if I see TLC or Brinus or Diallo or Burton or any of those guys. Like those are, those are our Cameron Payne's. Those are our Jeremy Lambs, uh, Alex Abrinas in the past, like our Josh Hustis. Those are those guys this year. And it just feels like we're setting up for history to repeat itself. And that did with Randy Foy that season. And that was with Cameron Payne. Cam played a lot of that season and he was pretty good. And they ended up trading for Randy Foy, ended up having to give up a second round pick to get Randy Foy, which is so weird. Uh, but that was just like your classic, let's get a veteran in here, Thunder trade. And then by the end of the playoffs, you're like, man, that guy kind of sucks. <laughs> right. And yeah. That's, that's it's, it's a tradition like no other for the Thunder. And I really hope that one of these guys can be good this year so that we don't have to experience that again. But it feels like any important season for the Thunder, they end up getting some kind of strange veteran onto the team that ends up playing way too much and it ends up not working out. And hopefully this season, just because they have so many options, they've kind of stocked the end of their bench with these young wings that they'll have so many guys that they have to run through and give time to that maybe they won't even get to the point where they're like we need to bring in a 38 year old (laughs) that's my hope that's my hope yeah because i mean at the end of the season you were just like man uh cory brewer served his purpose and he was pretty good but i might have felt better if they would just use those minutes to develop a brinus and we would have known a little bit more what we have in him and maybe they don't yeah. win enough games. Maybe Abrinas doesn't help them win enough games to even make the playoffs. Because, uh, I mean, you may forget like how close they were to missing the playoffs last season. Um, and he was pretty good when he came in and brought a different element to the team. And I don't want to discount that. But anyways, this is all just about Randy Foy being traded to the Thunder and it being just a complete waste of a trade. <laughs> um, but one guy you mentioned earlier that I wanted to bring up, uh, Cameron Payne. His uh, his rookie season, specifically his best game that I happened to be at December, I want to say 29th. I think you've already said this, even on the podcast that, that people have already heard. <laughs> All right. Well, it was a great one. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the second time somebody's heard this, which is okay. It's okay. Uh, okay. Let's just get into the real, the real stuff, right? Oh, the meat. You're talking about the meat, the meat, uh, first memory, the thunder lost to the Mavericks and in the first round in in game two. And it was, it was like, that was one of those moments where you just think, Oh man, this team's going nowhere. (laughs) You know, that was a disgusting Mavs team. It was, it was a, it was a Mavs team led by our very own Raymond Felton. That's true. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because we had blown them out in game one. And so feeling pretty cocky. Yeah. You know, we're going to, we could sweep them, which we ended up beating them in five games. It wasn't a big deal. But yeah, I remember the reaction after that came to loss. Oh, it just felt like, 
I mean, it already felt as if there was no chance that the Thunder could beat even that Spurs team that we knew was coming up next. But man, it when you lose to the Mavericks, here's the starting lineup for the Mavericks. Raymond Felton, Dirk Nowitzki, Wes Matthews, Darren Williams, and Zaza Pachulia. That is a disgusting Mavs team. And you know who I remember from that series the most? Salah Mejri. Oh, yeah. Salah Mejri was... There was a lot of beef. He was a butthead in that series. He was a beef master. He was. Here's Ray Felton's line from game two, where the Mavs beat the Thunder. This is kind of amazing. 21 points three assists, a steal, and 11 rebounds for the thickest daddy. Wow. That's so thick. <laughs> it's a, such a thick stat line. Man. Yeah, he took it to the Thunder. Just just killed him. And for exactly one game. For one game, right. Because let me read you. Can I read the <laughs> scores from the other games real quick? Yes, please. Okay, game one, 108 to 70. Game three, 131 to 102. Game four, 119 to 108. That was pretty close, 11 points. And then game five, the series clincher, 118 to 104. So they just destroyed them in every other game. But the Mavs got that one-point win. And it was in Oklahoma City, which I think is why we all freaked out more than normal. Yeah, that Mavs team was 42 and 40. Yeah. It was a bad team. They should. The Thunder should have swept them. That's, That's what should have happened. And it didn't. And it was a little embarrassing. I mean, Dirk was 37 at the time. We're not talking about like a a spry Dirk Nowitzki. It was a not a good Mavs team. There's that should not have happened. And so that was like the first sign to Thunder fans like, all right. Well, and then the second sign to Thunder fans that things probably weren't going our way. Game one, San Antonio in San Antonio, the Thunder lose 124 to 92. They get trounced by the Spurs. And like the feeling going into game two, which we'll discuss here in a second, was that, well, maybe the Kevin Durant era is over because of the way that they're playing right now. And maybe he's going to go play for Boston or whoever. Uh, But this looks terrible. (laughs) Like this team is not this bad. And why did the Thunder even, why did they fire Scott Brooks? Why do they have Billy Donovan? Is Billy Donovan even an NBA coach? Should they fire him now? I mean, like these were the kind of discussions that were happening after game one of that Spurs series. Right. Because it wasn't just any team. It was at that point, the defending champions from 2015. And I don't know if you remember this. Do you know how many times the Spurs lost at home that season? Uh, I'm going to guess five once. Wow. One time in San Antonio, they lost and it was to the Warriors. I bet people said that a lot during the series. Oh, when they were talking about our chances. Right. And then game two comes along and the Thunder were the second team to beat them in San Antonio that season. Okay. Real quick before we go to game two. Okay. The stat lines from that game one loss really crazy because no one on the Thunder scored 20 points. Yeah. Serge Ibaka was actually the game leader at 19 points. Oh, look at this stat line. 19 points, two rebounds. <laughs> what a great line, Serge. Classic Serge. And then, oh, and, and Robertson, he had uh, zero points and one rebound. 
Yeah. That was in 19 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but the, but even more amazing thing to me is that only three Spurs scored in double figures. So Tim Duncan only had eight points. Tony Parker only had two points. And they still beat the Thunder by over 30. Yeah. Well, and a lot of it was their main guys that took most of their shots. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green. LaMarcus shot 78%. He was 18 of 23 in that game. Kawhi Leonard, 10 of 13, 76%. And Danny Green was 6 of 7, 5 of 6 from 3 in that game. They could not miss. Yeah, they shot 66% as a team. That's Oh, wait, 68% as a team. Ooh. Almost, nope, wrong was, again. <laughs> <laughs> Good math. 61% as a team. Wow. Man, that... That game was embarrassing on so many levels, and it just it just felt like they couldn't beat them. Also, weird some weird players on that Spurs team. Uh, Kevin Martin was on that team. Yeah, uh, getting revenge. Andre Miller was on that team. Really, just weird. That's a weird Spurs team. They were really good, but had some weird players. Uh, okay, and so game two, it just felt like all right if we were looking for a moral victory at this point. And if we can get back to OKC down Oh two with one moral victory, then maybe the thunder can get something together. And Andrew, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the, the play by play from memory. Oh, okay. Cause this morning I gave you the play by play of the last 13 seconds. And then I deleted all of my notes immediately. <laughs> so I'm doing all of this from memory. Okay. Okay. I was going to help you out, but I want you to do this. No from memory now. <laughs> Okay. And I'm going to get a bunch of things wrong and people are going to tweet at me. I'll, tr- I'll right. try to, I'll interrupt you if I think of something. Okay. I actually realized I did make a mistake this morning. Okay. 13 seconds left, Andrew. OKC is up by four. We're looking great. Serge Abaca, not KD. That's what I said earlier this yes. morning. Serge yes. Abaca fouls LaMarcus Aldridge on a three point attempt. LaMarcus hits all three. And so now we're only up by one. But we have the ball. We're passing in from out of bounds. Who is the inbounder? It's Dion Waiters. Dion Waiters looks. He can't see anyone. Who am I going to pass to? Who am I going to pass to? It there's takes no, at least there's no timeouts. Just to be no clear. timeouts. He can't. He can't do anything. He has to get the ball in. He's got Manu draped all over him. It seems like it. it honestly seemed like ten seconds. Honestly, yeah. seemed like ten seconds. Figuratively, felt like ten minutes. Right, Manu is breaking the plane. I remember, remember that was a thing. Oh yes, he was. <laughs> and so then, Dion Waiters gets it in his head. I'm going to push Manu away from me. But I don't even know if it had to do with the play. He was just getting frustrated with Manu. He's just pushing him away, and then he launches this moonshot <laughs> to the middle of the court because he's, he probably figures, well, Kevin Durant's maybe the tallest guy on the court, right. so I'll just let him go up and get it. He doesn't get it though. Spurs get the ball. Well, Danny Patty Green Mills- like pulls Kevin Durant down when That's the true. when the ball goes up in the air. Yeah, this call, this call. Patty Mills gets it, passes it to Manu. Manu passes back to Patty Mills, wide open corner three, except for Stephen Adams, who's currently in the paint but sprints out the greatest closeout in NBA history. Well, even and- before that, they they had a chance to get a shot at the rim. And the reason Steven was under the rim was because he had gotten back on defense and protect, he was everywhere and protected the rim. It was maybe one of the greatest sequences of Steven Adams career, like no joke. And so then Patty Mills takes a shot. He misses. Meanwhile, 
Adams has kind of stumbled into the fans and one of the fans grabs his arm trying to prevent him from getting back in. (laughs) The ball clanks off. There's a scramble. Eventually, OKC recovers and the game's over. But it was just an incredible sequence. And if I remember correctly, Andrew, you were somewhere very interesting with some interesting people. (laughs) (laughs) We were. We were with the Down to Dunk crew at Republic watching it. And it was crazy it was one of the most fun environments i was riding on jay's back uh after after that play ended everyone was just screaming uh it was a very fun time um and then they go on um winning six yeah some close games too against the spurs and Steven Adams was amazing in that series. Not only that last sequence, but that game two, he had 12 points and 17 rebounds. He was just a monster. And Cantor was also really good. Those two together, and we I think we mentioned this earlier, but those two together were really good against the Spurs. And it was a little bit of, you know, an Adams coming out party because he was amazing on both ends for the Thunder in that series and really proved his value against LaMarcus and Tim Duncan. So uh, it was cool to see because he had some monster dunks and some great rebounds and played great defense and showed how mobile he was. So it was it was a really good series for him. So then we move on to the Western Conference Finals. And... Andrew, I really want to remember the good games. I wanted to so bad. I would, I would, I would look at the scores and I'd look at the box score and I'd be like, uh, I kind of remember something that might have happened in that game. But all my brain's thinking is game six. The, game the good, six. the good games almost hurt just as much because they were so good. They killed them. I mean, they were killing the Warriors at home. I remember Jay was at one of the games and was sitting near Sam Presti and it took like everything in Jay's body to not just walk up to Sam Presti and like shake his hand and just be like, congratulations, sir. You have done it because it was that it, it was, it didn't seem fathomable that they could do what they were doing against the Warriors before the series started, but they win game one. I think they lost game two, but then they come back and they just destroy them in games three and four. Yeah, game three, 133 to 105, and then game four was 118 to 94. Yeah, it. you just thought they're up three to one now. They're going to win this. They're going to do this. And they lose game five, and you're like, no problem. The Thunder got, Whatever. Games, the Thunder got game six. And I, I was at game six. And oh, were you really? I was. I was a nervous wreck, and I was sitting up. Warriors fans were sitting right behind me the whole time. No. And as the comeback was happening, this dude just got louder and louder until he's we're walking out. I mean, Thunder fans are mostly just silent as you're walking out. And then you have this dude and a couple of his buddies just chanting Warriors, Warriors. Uh. And you're just like, oh, just kill me now. It was I mean, it was it was really brutal. It was a brutal game to be at and a brutal game to leave. Uh, as a fan, uh, it, it, I mean, clay was just on fire and the thunder were, they just didn't play a good game and Kevin Durant. And we, we've been over this before too, but you can maybe pretend that you didn't remember this, but can you name in order the top seven, 
players in three point percentage. Oh man, you should have you shouldn't have said that. I would have sounded so smart. <laughs> uh let's see let's see how much you can remember though honestly yeah let's see if i can even remember from this uh, morning. okay number one was a baka serge Ibaka, 44.9 percent from three number two was waiters Dion waiters 37.5 percent from three in the playoffs uh number three i want to go anthony morrow anthony, anthony morrow anthony morrow 35 percent. you're doing great yes, yes, yes. number four russell westbrook russell westbrook 32 percent. great job you're doing good Final one, not KD, this Andre is, Robertson. That's right. Another 32 percenter. Who is number six? Uh, Randy Foy. Randy Foy, 30%. Number seven. Oh, um, okay. In that case, okay, now we'll go with Durant. Yeah, Kevin Durant, 28% from three. And you might say to yourself, oh, that's because Kevin Durant's not getting any open shots. Well, let me tell you something. I have a stat that says, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, that's not true. <laughs> not true at all." That should be your uh, a new segment. Uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, 2016-17. Guess how many? What the percentage of open shots that he had from at three point at the three point line? Open so what, between four to six feet. So with the thunder, uh, he had. Okay, okay, okay. I'll just I'll just tell you because it's too hard of a thing to guess. Um, Seven point eight percent of his shots were open from three. That was the, that was the frequency. Okay, um, that seems low. That seems low. Yes, it's low. Okay. Um, and overall, nineteen point two percent of his shots were taken open for Hmm. the thunder now you might say oh for the warriors that number must have been way higher no not true 17.3 percent so he had less open shots with the warriors in the next playoffs with the um with the warriors against the Cavs and all that on their way to a title he had less open shots than he did with the thunder and so Uh. just goes to show you that he was getting good shots. He had a lot of good shots with the Thunder uh, in that series, and he just didn't make them. He just missed a lot of shots. And also, you probably remember Kevin was a big part of the way that that offense ran, especially down the end of every game. And he would stand there in the mid post and just hold his arm out, and he just hold it out. And he'd just wait until somebody threw him the ball. And then he would just get clobbered. Well, who told him to do that? That is not a set play from a coach. That is a Kevin Durant, let's get him the ball. And he decides that the best thing for him is to just stand there. And now, could he have been coached to do something different? Probably so. And he wasn't. But the fact is that Kevin decided to just stand there and hold his arm out. And he did that a ton at the end of that game. And I just don't remember it working out at all. Um, so th- he shot terribly from three, that whole playoff, the, the entire playoffs. And he was just very bad in game six and, you know, did, doesn't get a lot of heat. Never really as a thunder player, got a ton of heat for any of his mistakes. Um, but he, he sure does now. He, he deserves a lot of, a lot of heat for the way that he played. 
Uh, it's kind of amazing that he shot 28% and that the Thunder still like almost got to the NBA Finals. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm reading. Team. I don't think I uh, mentioned these stats earlier because I just didn't remember them. Three pointers in game six. We obviously know that Clay had a crazy game 41 points, 11 threes on his own. They shot 21 for 45 from three, which is good for 47%. Mm-hmm. The Thunder, who only lost by seven points, shot three of 23 from oh. three for 13%. <laughs> and then. In addition to that, so that's a difference. I think I just did the math. If I did it incorrectly, please do not tweet me. That's a difference of 54 points just from three-pointers. And then, but they got to the line a lot, and they shot 68.8%. They were 22 of 32. There's just so many places where it it could could have happened. Yeah, they had that game. And it's still to this day just so brutal because, and and people forget, game seven – there was a game seven, you know, like people forget that that even existed. Everyone talks about game six as if that were like, that was it. That was the end of the season. No, like the Thunder played game seven. They played an Oracle, but for some reason you just felt like there was just no way they're going to win that game. Right. Right. Even, I mean, game seven, they were up by six at half. Yeah. And even still, you kind of didn't really believe it. No. And, they're up six at half, and then in the third quarter, the they um, got outscored twenty nine to twelve, and the game was pretty much over. Just brutal. Yeah, game six, I will remember it forever. Um, I so I went back and watched the last five minutes. the The Thunder led by seven with five minutes left, mm-hmm. and in the next five minutes, Golden State would hit four three pointers. And OKC would have six turnovers, four by Westbrook alone, although I would argue only one was really his fault, but he still had four turnovers. And they just, I, I don't even want to say they gave it away because obviously the six turnovers are really bad, but like Golden State was just hitting ridiculous shots just again and again and again. And it was so demoralizing because it was like, we can't even play a normal game. Yeah, be, we like we have to play absolute one hundred percent our A plus basketball, or we're going to lose. And honestly, they didn't have to do that to win that game. Yeah, they. Yeah, looking at the stats now, I mean, Kevin Durant like was three ten, of, ten of thirty one, one of eight from three. If he's if he just shoots his average percentages, then the Thunder win. Oh, it feels so close. It feels like we could go back in time and can, change can things. We Andrew. Can do this. I feel like we can. Uh, yeah, it was brutal. And then not only, I mean, that stung so badly. And then you go to the NBA finals and we talked a little bit about this this morning, but like, how hard were you rooting for the Cavs in the finals? Like I wanted them to win so bad and I was so excited that they did. And little did we know that we were just like rooting for our own death. <laughs> I know, I, but I've I've convinced myself now that he would have gone there anyways. So it doesn't feel as bad. Yeah, I mean, it, he could have, and that could be something that they're just saying as an excuse. Like, I'm gonna, I'm not. You think I'm gonna go there if they win the title? No way. Well, they won seventy three freaking games that season, and they beat your team, you big idiot. And they and they were honestly a Draymond Green nutshot away yeah. from winning it all from being right. 
arguably the greatest team of all time because they would have had more wins than the Bulls and they would have won the ring. Yeah. Yeah, if Draymond Green didn't go crazy in that series, they win the title. And uh, who who knows? Who knows? Uh, If I could go back in time, I would change game six first. Yeah. But if if you put that off limits, actually, I don't want to take a title away from the Cavs. (laughs) (laughs) That's just just mean. It was still so great, though. It was great. I was watch. I watched Game Seven uh, with my friend Elliot, who's from Cleveland, and I remember watching that game. And Draymond came out hot and was like hitting a bunch of threes. Yeah, yeah, I, remember and I was like, that. dude, you have no chance because because they were coming back from three one too. And the final sequence in that game is still one of my favorite sequences with the LeBron block, the Kyrie three, and then the Kevin Love defending Steph. Yes, and just the way it ends and how LeBron turns around and K Love's the first person there and he gives him a big hug. And I was so excited. Me and my friend went outside of my apartment and started running laps <laughs> around the block. I was so happy. It and just, then it all. It just seemed impossible that they were going to win that series. It was impossible. It was it was one of it was one of the craziest NBA finals, one of the greatest NBA finals I've ever watched. I mean, it was so fun. And you know what? Here's another reason why everyone should be so mad at Kevin Durant, even to this day, because we were headed for an era where we were going to have that kind of basketball where everything is hanging in the balance, like almost every series in the Western Conference for the next decade, right? It would have been incredible. And I mean, then, especially if Horford comes and you have OKC, then you have Golden State. Houston is going to keep getting better, and they probably yeah. would have still made the CP3 trade. Right. The Cavs are going to be the Cavs for at least another year. That probably falls off. But then Boston is going to come up, and then Philly. And, yeah, it would have been incredible. It would have been great. It would have been one of the greatest eras of basketball ever. Even if the Thunder don't get out Horford, like that's, that team is still very good. And you just have all these... I mean, that season, that playoffs was incredible. And since then, it's just been inevitable what was going to happen. And it's kind of, it's, there's still been some fun things, certainly, but it still just feels inevitable. And even up to this next season, like it feels inevitable what's going to happen. And it's just, it just takes the fun out of it. Just going into a series and just having no clue what's going to happen. I mean, that, that's so much fun. And we were headed for an era where it was going to be like that. But then July 4th, 2016, I'm at the Bethany July 4th parade, standing there, not present with my family at all, just scrolling through Twitter over and over again. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Kevin Durant tweets out his stupid little article that he's going to Golden State and the Players' Tribune. And you're just like, are you serious? Are you kidding me? He's going to that team? I mean, it it was kind of the the beginning of the Kevin Durant like off the court starts to unravel a little bit because then things start to leak out about how he didn't call his Thunder teammates and tell him tell them uh, he immediately throws Russell under the bus with an article from Howard Beck after that. And then it's like, 
Okay. And then Adrian Wojnarowski, I don't know if you remember this, but he did a podcast with Jeff Van Gundy where he describes Russell Westbrook as like this rock solid guy who has like this core group around him. And then he describes Kevin Durant as this like flimsy dude that can be convinced of things. And it is like, what? Like I've never, I, I, I get it now that he made the decision that he did, but we had never really heard of this Kevin Durant. Like it was like we had met a whole new person basically. That's true. Although, you know, I do think it was there all the time. Cause I remember Royce's article, the, his first article right after it happened. And I remember there was some backlash to that article specifically. I remember from Bill Simmons. Yeah. And who like Bob, was, yeah. we're directly calling out Royce. Like, why is he, you know, he's just like throwing Katie under the bus. He's like, you know, saying all this stuff about him, about how he, you know, need, needs all, has all these yes men around him or whatever. Yeah. And everything Royce wrote in that article has become so true. Mm-hmm. Like you go back and read that article and he is describing like the Katie that we know now, like how people think about him now. Right. And it's just, it was wild. Like, and obviously Royce would know Royce has been with the team for all this time. Like if anyone would have known KD to that extent, it would have been Royce. Royce knows Kevin personally and knows, I mean, honestly, you would be shocked at some of the things that Royce knows about Kevin Durant that he still won't put out there, which like, it's just like, to me, like the more I learn about Kevin from Royce, like the more I respect Royce because he's just like, he, doesn't trash the guy he, he is not i mean royce could he could lay something down <laughs> right now but he just won't like he won't do it because he respects kevin he's a professional and you know and, and kevin kevin really was sheltered by the thunder in a lot of ways and sheltered by the media um but it's it's really just it was weird. It was a weird experience in so many ways. And like, you're frustrated because he chose to go to that team. You're frustrated too, because it leaks out that not only is he going to that team, but the reason he's going to that team is because of Draymond green. Like, yeah, that's the, that's the guy that convinced you you're going to that team. And that's the guy. Like, who are you? Like, what is yeah, well, this? <laughs> when you found out that they had been like in communications during the Western conference right. finals, Right. Oh, uh, that was killer. Yeah. I mean, and I don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's just mind boggling to even think and look back at it. But, you know, Kevin Durant deserves to be criticized and it's, and he will be criticized and you should, and you will put asterisks next to his championships because no one has ever done what he's done before. No one has ever made that move before. No one has ever lost to one of the greatest teams of all time in heartbreaking fashion in a seven game series in the Western conference finals, highest stakes that you could have. And then you lose and then you go and join that team. No one, no competitor at his level has or probably ever will make the same decision that he made. It is not the same as LeBron joining with Wade and Bosch. It is not the same as the big three uh, with the Boston Celtics. There's no comparison for it. It has never happened before and it won't ever happen again because, and you know what? Kevin Durant's not going to be a warrior for much longer. And I said this the other day, if Kevin Durant is a warrior 
in three years, I will be floored. Like, I just don't think that personality wise, I don't think he can handle it much longer because he's just not going to be given his due. And that's the right thing to do to not give him his due because you joined a team that was one of the best teams ever already. And you're one of the greatest players of all time. Like he could, like if he was, when it's all said and done talent stacked up, if you said that he was the third best player of all time, like, would you be surprised? No, no, no you're not surprised because he has that kind of talent and he, to do what he did. Yes. There's a lot of people coming out still saying that he does not deserve to have all the credit that you know that some people think he should have and some people like fight really hard like he he had you know every right to do what he did and you know all these championships blah 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 like he he made a weird choice for a player and i think that he was heavily influenced by the people around him i think that they wanted to make a lot of money and you know what they've made a ton of money and i think that kevin durant's going to move on People, some people still think that he'd consider the Thunder at you know whenever that time comes. Uh, I would be very surprised if that would happen. And also, there's I don't understand the mechanics of that actually happening. But I I would just be really surprised uh, if he was still a warrior in a few years because I think that he cares about what people think and he's cared about it since he was in the NBA just just as a little pup in the NBA he he cared about what people thought and he wore his little backpack and everyone thought he was really cute and oh look at this look at this little backpack guy that's really cute blah 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 you know <laughs> um and you know he cared and he still cares to this day because he's on Twitter he's probably on Twitter right now searching for his own name i can almost guarantee you you're listening to this if you're listening to this in a week it's still true he's probably searching for his name on Twitter and making some bad choices with that. I mean, he's, he cares, he cares too much for, you know, to, to stay is, is what I think. Hey, let's make, let's make a dumb prediction real quick. Uh, where do you think Kevin Durant's next team is? Who is he with? I really just don't. I mean, the, the destination that I think does make sense for his redemption. I think there's two destinations that make sense for his redemption. Number one, it's the Oklahoma city thunder. If he were somehow, if the Thunder were somehow able to get him on this team and you're able to keep Russ and Paul George, I think that that is one of the biggest storylines ever that he comes comes back. I'm serious. Unless he wants to. Unless he wants to. And then I'm fine with it. (laughs) (laughs) It, That would undo a lot of things for him. And you know what? And I've said this before. Like there's the Kobe stands, there's the Westbrook stands, there's no Kevin Durant stands anywhere because they're here in Oklahoma City. Like we're all here, we're still here. And so he could maybe rekindle that with the fan base that he just destroyed. Because all the fans in Golden State, like they've already got their guys. Because they were a 73-1 team that already won a title. Like they have already got Steph Curry, they have already got Draymond Green, they have already got Clay Thompson, they've got their guys. Like he's just like the icing on top of a cake that already had a ton of icing on it. Like you just don't really even need that. And so he didn't have his guys. Like his his stands are here, and so he would get them. Also, New York City. If he decided to go to the Knicks with like Kyrie Irving or something like See, that, I, I think it's going to be Brooklyn. 
And I think it's going to be Kyrie. Yeah, it could be Brooklyn. If he decided to go to one of those big cities and decided to build up one of those teams, first of all, who, like the Knicks fans are fans of Chris Dapps, kind of, right? <laughs> like that's, uh, the, they haven't won anything. And so if they got Kevin Durant, like the, that would be his fan base, right? Same thing with Brooklyn. And actually, Brooklyn may even be better because they've probably never had a player that they can attach themselves to as since like the rebranding and since right. they moved to Brooklyn. Uh, they like they tried it with Darren Williams. And I, I don't is has anyone ever been a real fan of Darren Williams out there? Like, no. Let us let us know. Tweet at tweet at us at down to dunk if you've ever been a real fan of Darren Williams. Um but yeah, I think that would be a place where like true like redemption for Kevin Durant could happen and he could have real fans. Uh because like right now, like you I don't think that he has real quote unquote real fans because he just destroyed all of our hearts and minds on July fourth, twenty sixteen. Um real quick, or just a couple things. First this is from like 15 minutes ago, but <laughs> sorry, I've, I've been going off. I did not plan to do this. I'm not plan for this segment to be this long. They're not planning to get this pe- to be this passionate about all this, but it's still, no, like, was, it still hurts. Like it's still just, it's still just enraging to think about it. I uh, was just say, uh, like when you talked about, you know, Oh, it's kind of like when LeBron went to Miami or it's kind of like the big three Celtics. My least favorite is when people talk about, like the 86 Celtics and the 87 Lakers. Like there were a ton of all-stars on those teams. There were 23 teams back then. Right. Imagine putting seven more teams in the league and having to disperse those players to those seven teams. Yeah. That's seven times 15, whatever that is. Yeah. Like it wouldn't have happened. Like we're in such a different era where you have 30 teams and talent is spread out. And so when you, when you bring talent together, even like, you know, Miami, but then when you do it to the next level, which is the Golden State Warriors, I mean, it's, it changes everything. It changes the whole league. It changes the entire balance. Whereas I don't really feel like that happened back in the eighties. Right. You still have these two elite dominant teams, like all time teams. Yeah. Yeah. And you had, and the, and the Celtics had the Lakers and then they had the Pistons and you had like, it, it didn't ever seem like, oh, wow, there's no one's ever going to beat this team. This is just different. And anyone that tries to claim that, oh, this is normal, there's always dominant teams in the NBA, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know who's paying you, and I don't know who you're talking to, but you're you're wrong because this team is different. They are different than any team that has ever existed in NBA history. No one has ever been this talented. No one has ever done what they did before they got Kevin Durant and added a talent like that and replaced a Harrison Barnes level player with a Kevin Durant. No one's ever done that. It has never happened. And I will almost promise you it will never, ever happen again. It took extraordinary circumstances for that to happen. And it probably just won't be able to happen again. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. And we we forgot that this this happened before July fourth, but uh, <laughs> Sam Presti made a trade at the draft that was pretty shocking. It was funny. McKelly and I we we had worked together some at at that point, uh, but he wasn't like on the podcast or anything. Um, but he was telling me that like you know the Thunder are really interested in Demonis Sabonis. I was like, oh, huh. Well, that's weird. Like I don't. I don't know why they would be. He's a lottery pick and they don't have a lottery pick. 
And it turns out that a few days later, they traded Serge Ibaka to get Victor Oladipo, uh, Damana Sabonis, and Irsan Ilyasova, which is crazy, which they later flipped Irsan uh, and a fake first-round pick for Jeremy Grant. And so they got, for Serge Ibaka, they got Victor Oladipo, Jeremy Grant, and Damana Sabonis, and then then turn that and it's just crazy like if they didn't make that trade the thunder thunder history today is that trade right yeah if they don't make that trade i mean who knows there there might have been another trade out there for surge but if if they didn't trade surge and they end up getting in that position where they either have to pay him or just let him go for nothing it would have been very very bad yeah or like if you go into that season like that season surge wasn't very good <laughs> and you saw it you're like oh because he was traded from the magic that season yeah he was and that was that was their super big lineup right and all they got all they got back was terrence ross can you imagine the thunder going into that season and all they get back for serge Ibaka is terrence ross <clears throat> it's not good you're Would have been real bad certainly not getting paul george <laughs> for Terrence Ross like that's just not happening I mean that trade and I and it it's just crazy that that trade is really the tipping point for the Thunder being able to stay afloat and to be able to build a team to where you like there's hope for the Thunder to actually make some noise this year and it's because Sam Presti you know found this crazy trade with Orlando. It's funny, he did it with Rob Hennigan, who is now the director of foresight and insight for the Thunder. But the dude had like zero foresight or insight with, with that trade. He traded th- away three competent players for an aging Serge Ibaka that and some people were still a little delusional about Serge, thinking that he could be like your like your number one or number two guy. That maybe he he wasn't allowed to do as much with the Thunder, like he couldn't handle the ball as much with them, and it wasn't allowed to operate out of the high post. Or like, there's a thousand reasons the Thunder didn't do that, and one of the huge ones is that he is not good at any of those things. Like he is a catch and shoot big man that can block shots, and that's what he is, and that's all he is, and. uh it's amazing that they got Victor Oladipo, who was the number two pick in the draft. And you were able to get Demona Sabonis, a lottery pick. And you got a good rotation player in Irson Ilyasova that ended up being a good trade chip for the Thunder. I mean, it's just that that is one of the best trades maybe in the last decade. It's got to be like in the top 10, right? Yeah, you know, maybe maybe Rob Hennigan had the foresight to know that that trade would eventually get him fired and then he would get to go back right. and be with his best friend Sam again. All he wanted to do was come back to the Thunder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. That's that's some real foresight. <laughs> oh, man. I think we just put down... Uh, this is going to end up being like a two-hour pot. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we just put down an hour... Um, I'm sorry. I I shouldn't have gone that in depth about Kevin Durant, but I just, I don't know. I just got inspired. Um, thanks for listening to our show. Uh, this is a weird podcast on so many levels. One, because we've recorded it uh, once <laughs> at seven o'clock this morning. And then again at, what is it? It's almost midnight. Um, 
here in Oklahoma City. Um, I think I think it's a good setup. I think people are going to like the new day night pod. <laughs> Russell Westbrook has surgery in the middle of our show, basically. <laughs> that will go at the beginning of the show. I'm have to do some crazy editing. Um, my infant son pooped in the first version of this podcast, and I'm probably just going to leave that in. Um, <laughs> it's just it's a weird show. Uh, I hope that you find some entertainment out of it. If you do, uh, please take some time to leave us a five-star iTunes review. If you have an iPhone, it's super easy to do it. You go to the Purple Podcast app, search down to dunk, hit five stars, bam, that's it. And if you have some time to leave us uh, a nice message, we'd appreciate that too. We read all of them. I see all of them that come through and I appreciate all of them. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Go eat at the press. Uh, if you've got some time or if you're near the plaza, it's uh, very much worth your time and money. It's a great, great restaurant. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. We'll break down more of Russell Westbrook's uh, surgery and what that means for the team. And we may have some more information by that time too. So uh, be sure to download on Friday and hope you guys have a good one. <laughs> I was at the uh, I was at the Adidas employee store. Oh, when you texted earlier, yeah. And I tried on this pair of shoes, and I was wearing them around. I was trying to find some like running ish shoes, and I was like, ah, I kind of like these. They look kind of cool. And then I took them off and I looked at the box and I realized they were James Harden's. Oh no. So I didn't buy them. I didn't buy them, but I liked them, (laughs) but I realized I couldn't buy them.